Anybody still asleep? Hey, we got like three people still standing. You can sit down. That's okay. You told me to. <laughs> I come in this morning, and I'm like, he's doing that song, and the trumpet player in me goes, well, I can play that fanfare. It's one note. So I, I've, I've been playing in the community band, and my trumpet's at home, so I've got this horn that Nathan's been honking on over here. And so uh, I, I pulled it out, and, and, um, and then he, I come out and, and play a note, and he goes, that thing's loud. You okay, Greg? You good? Okay. Now, Cheryl's going to stay behind me today, so I told her she can't spitball me. You got to behave over there. Oh, no, you hadn't hidden the corner. I thought you were sitting up here. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, but I keep, I'm hearing noise over here now, and I'm not used to that. And so um, we're not used to the Trump. We're not used to anything today. We'll be all right. And uh, if you are inclined to, I, I haven't talked about it much because it's like, what, why do you bring these things up? Uh, I have been playing with the Pueblo Municipal Band, which is not easy to say. Um, it's fun to play, but uh, Sunday night, 7 o'clock right now over at PCC in the little amphitheater they have down there. Hopefully it won't rain this evening uh, because it's July and that's what happens is it rains in the evenings, which we'll take. doesn't make for a good band concert. Anyway, if it is raining, there is a little theater. We'll go in right there. But anyway, I invite you to come uh, tonight. There's a lot of patriotic music, um, and uh, it's at 7 o'clock over at PCC. And it's July 4th weekend, and uh, there's always lots of Sousa marches and, and fun stuff like that. So um, I have my lip in shape, and that's why I played your one-note fanfare. That scared everybody. All right. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. That's where we are today, uh, moving beyond all the hilarity and uh, the silliness here. Let's, let's head to God's Word. Remember last week we talked about how... If we have our faith in Jesus Christ, then we are co-heirs with our Savior. We, are, we inherit the riches of the kingdom when we trust in Him. And one of the great and wonderful things about that is that we must come to the realization that it's not, a, not just a not yet thing, because we think about inheritance in the manner of, well, when I kick the bucket, I will, and we have paint buckets. Look at that. I said that, right? Um, it, when we're done here on earth, then we get the riches. But the fact is, is that in Christ, we have his riches already. We now possess the riches of the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And so now Paul takes a, a pastoral moment with the children of, he calls them children even, those he has led to faith in Galatia. He is coming back to, to them to talk to them about some of the problems they have been going through. And remember, one of the big themes of Galatians is why are you following, falling back into legalism? The law never saved you. Salvation has always been by faith. And so now Paul comes back to this after this argument that he describes in chapter 2 with, with Peter. And then he comes back and he teaches them more about how their salvation has always been by faith. 
And he talks then about the reward they receive, and he says, why are you throwing that away? What caused you to be deceived? And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves all the time is, are we faithful or are we getting caught up in things that are really, as it would be said, beyond our pay grade? So when Christ came, he came and brought the full inheritance of the Father. And what is that? It's not something that we necessarily thought we needed. But when we receive Christ, the inheritance and the promise of the fulfillment in eternity is his Holy Spirit at work in us. And now we see that that inheritance is not necessarily something that we expected. Remember what the Jews wanted to happen at that moment was freedom from Rome. They wanted a military conqueror. But God had a greater perspective in play, an eternal perspective. And so the kingdom of Christ on earth looks a lot different than an earthly kingdom. Thank the Lord. But it's still not exactly what he was expecting or what, what, what the people were expecting in that time. So now we come out of this place where he talks about the inheritance that he uh, preached, the salvation of the Jews and ultimately to Gentiles. And he says, why are you acting like this? Paul deals with all kinds of interesting problems with the Galatians. But his desire is always that they would return to blessing the Lord by their faith. And friends, as we get rolling this morning, I want to remind you that the way God is blessed is by our trust in Him. And we can get caught up uh, in, in patriotic fervor. I had a a seminary professor who was actually Australian, and I was taking Greek one summer. It was a very interesting summer. Uh, kind of cooked my brain on it, but I, like, I still remember some of it. I can look at some of these Greek words and go, oh, that, I know what that means. Anyway, one of the things he said after 4th of July, he said, the American church, and I have a very bad Australian accent, so I'm not even going to try. The American church, the 4th of July, is a very interesting combination of patriotic fervor with, combined with the preaching of the gospel. And it's true. A lot, of, a lot of churches get really into it. We play God of our fathers. We didn't do the Pledge of Allegiance today. We didn't do all those things. There are those in here who would fall on both sides of the spectrum on that, whether or not that is appropriate. The fact is, is that ultimately our eternal allegiance is what reigns over all things. And so we need to come back to the fact, yes, we live in a wonderful nation that gives us a lot of freedoms to worship God. But that is the purpose, is to worship the Lord. So let's remember that as we celebrate our freedom today, that Christ has given it to us so that we might bless him. Let's stand as we look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. And I gave you a good little break. I didn't make you stand right back up. We're doing good. Amen. Chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that are by nature not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? 
whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a body, bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And although my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Lord, help us to speak truth as you would, by grace, with grace, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is a very interesting passage because, you know, we get into, in, in Galatians it's like that, you have this doctrinal spot and then you have a kind of a story, then you have another spot, and then you have another story, and this is kind of a combination of both. Remember who the Galatians are. The Galatians are Gentiles. They are people who did not grow up knowing the law. And Paul somehow ends up with them. And it says here, wherever Galatians, the, the Galatians might have been, whether it was in Central Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, or northern Asia Minor, either one, we find that he comes to them as a, a sick man. He is not healthy. And there's all kinds of things they wonder about. We may come back to those things here about exactly what, what Paul was enduring. But as Paul seemed to do throughout all of his writings, he bore witness to Christ because he believed Christ had a purpose for him being in that place. And so he was going through these trials and these tribulations and these illnesses and the suffering. He had the people that traveled with him, however many there were. I'm sure it varied at different times. And he had the people who were writing down different things. And, 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 and he ends up in Galatia. And he finds that he, he develops a strong relationship with these Gentiles. And he preaches the gospel. And they become believers. They get saved. They come to faith because of Paul's testimony. He reminds them who they are, though, and who, where they started, or I should say who they were, where they started in verse 8. He said, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. This is not the only time he uses uh, this kind of illustration. And he, he draws both in here because really throughout Galatians, he's reminding the, the people that salvation doesn't come by the things that they do, but by what they believe. He's reminding them all along the way here. And in, in, in this passage, he reminds them of two different sources from where they came. The first is who they were as those who had been idolaters. 
And Paul describes it in a couple of different places. We're going to visit them here in a moment. Different ways that um, the, the, uh, that people end up being deceived. Let's go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, which is just a few pages back. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, the Corinthians, we've, I've preached through 2 Corinthians. I was doing that through COVID. And the Corinthians were a church that was intensely human. They, they had their big issues. And they, uh, they, they kept falling back into practices that were ungodly. And he describes some of those things right here. He talks about it in the context of eating food offered to idols. He says, although there may be, this is verses 5 and 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, is indeed there are many gods and many lords, both little uh, lowercase there. Yet there is for us just one God, the Father, from whom are all things for whom we exist and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Paul, in, in preaching the gospel, shows himself here to be a one-trick pony, right? He keeps speaking the same thing over and over. Salvation is from God alone, through Christ alone. And he reminds them that whatever you end up doing reflects what you believe about God. Now, that's pretty inclusive. All the things that we do and everything that we are is surrounded, it's strengthened, or it's weakened by how we view the Lord. God calls us to full obedience in Him when we see his salvation at work. And so he says, he talks about these lowercase gods and, and lords there. And in, in the context of ancient Greece and Rome, we can probably draw a picture of what that looked like, right? At Zeus and all the other names, my daughter's going to, you know, I'll get something wrong, so I'm going to stop. But all the fun stories that we read about them in different ways and all the things you learned about them in your, you know, your middle school. I remember this in my middle school literature class. You know, we learned about all these different things. They called them myths and legends. The reason they're called myths and legends is because ultimately history rounded to Christ. And the Jews bring our Messiah, Jesus, to the Gentiles so that all may come to faith in him. And so when Paul speaks to the Galatians, he has the same message for those who have tried to find their salvation somewhere else. It's always in Jesus. It always comes through God. This is why we are here, why we exist. There's another interesting story, and it's probably around the time he was uh, interacting with the church in Galatia in Acts chapter 14. Um, he, he's journeying around, and he has, uh, I, I don't know that you've met, read much about the Apostle Paul, but he has a special skill. He can really make people mad. He did it before he was a believer in Jesus, and he just kept right on going after he came to faith in Jesus. And he made 
non-believers unhappy with him, and sometimes he made believers unhappy with him because he was so bold in his faith. In Acts chapter 14, he and Barnabas are journeying around, and, and they're dealing with, again, this problem of idolatry. And this really brings it down to the bare bones here. In, uh, in, in Lystra, he and Barnabas have an interesting encounter. He listened to Paul speaking. This was a man who was crippled from birth. And, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, kind of like a trumpet, Greg. Everybody heard it. Stand upright on your feet. Now, what do we know about this? In verse 9, which, or verse 8, which I didn't read, he couldn't stand. He sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Well, of course they did. Because that's what they thought happened. But Paul wouldn't take it in more ways than one. Barnabas, they called Zeus, the powerful one. And Hermes, they, they, Paul, they called Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and, is all, and all that is in them. In passionations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. Not only were the people willing to worship anything, they were going to worship these two guys because they demonstrated God's healing. There's a little cultural clash happening here. The worldview isn't quite what they thought it was. How they saw things, they saw that they, you know, the, the only way that this could happen is one of the gods, small g, could bring it to be. Barnabas and Paul took none of it. And they said, the salvation is from the Lord. The God of heavens, who's created all things, has brought this to pass. Now, you think the group might appreciate that. They were honest with us. But the heading on the next verses tells us that Paul was stoned at Lystra. Seems like the crowd didn't take that pronouncement too well. You know what? Sometimes when you speak truth, people aren't going to be very happy about it. Our world today is like that. And we see it today in all kinds of different ways. The greatest God of the Western culture, even America, is our comforts. We don't want to be uncomfortable. And I've used this illustration before, but it's pretty obvious. Just change the temperature on the thermostat. 
in the sanctuary. And guess who hears about it? This guy. It's my fault. No, it's not. I'm not saying it. I'm not blaming that on anybody. But that's the kind of mindset that we have, right? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, I got a, you ain't got a swamp cooler, not air conditioner, but a swamp cooler in our house. We want it to be on. We want it to work right. We don't want to be overheated. It, my, my, my truck, my daughter and I have been de- trying to decide whether we want to fix the radio or fix the air conditioning. You know, which one? But that's a first world problem, right? All those kinds of things that you, you, you figure out. What do you, what do you make an idol today? In that culture, they easily made men to be gods. The problem with that worldview is that God had already become man in Jesus Christ. And the power and the healing that was offered came from the Messiah. So, that attitude is what was, as Paul describes here, enslaving the Gentile believers. But they also had another problem, and that was somebody that was brought up in chapter 2. We, we call them the Judaizers, the ones who would say that you have to become a Jew in order to be a Christian, and in that requiring things like circumcision to happen so that you can come to faith in Christ. Paul has nothing good to say about that at all. In, in, um, in Romans, he says, by no means should any such of these things happen. We are liberated from the slavery of sin and the law through Christ. And that's what this passage is all about. They are talking about the different things that come along the way in, in two different senses here. Verse 9 in chapter 4, Galatians, back over there. Now you come to know God, rather be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I might have labored over you in vain. Now, both the Jewish faith and the, um, and the Gentiles of the day observed these months and seasons and years and all these festivals along the way. And the reason they did it is because they thought there was some kind of good use to these observances that the gods or God would look upon them in favor if they did exactly what they were supposed to do. And Paul calls that nonsense. You are putting your faith once again in yourselves by trying to do it just right. Paul brings us back to this reminder that we are accountable by faith. By who we place our faith in. And that is Jesus, the Son of God. Now, this is an interesting little passage that we come to in verses 12 through 20 because instead of this stern instruction, what we end up here is getting more of a a pastoral section. Paul says, you had the gospel clearly presented to you, and now you're allowing yourselves to be confused. Return to the true gospel. We do that all the time in our lives. 
we try to add things so that we feel better about ourselves along the way. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't learn the Word, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't apply it to our lives. Far from that. But we must always remember the foundation of it is faith in Christ. Always comes back to who Jesus is and what He did for us on the cross and through His resurrection. Verse 12, brothers, I entreat you, one of those awkwardly translated words there, become as I am, for I have also become as you are. You did me no wrong. But you know it was because of a body, bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. So there was an interesting parallel to his conversation in the, or the, the story we just read in uh, in Acts, when he talked about his reception in Lystra, right? They they wanted to worship him, and they rejected that worship, and then they you know tried to kill him. You know, no big deal. But what we find here is that they again received Paul in Galatia with grace and joy to learn the Word of God brings me to conviction because a lot of times I'm afraid, that sounds crazy as the pastor, but it's true, you know, what are people going to think if I say this or say that about what I believe? Well, the fact is, is that what's, that's what God calls us to do all the time anyway, to be proclaimers of the truth, and so many are ready to hear it. It was funny last week because I get my brain... Um, focused on whatever moment it is, but I told you I've been playing in the community band a little bit, and community is easier to say than municipal. Uh, but I've been playing in the band, and uh, the director asked me, he started, don't, never mind, I'm not going to say what he started calling me, because then you'll call me that. Um, the, uh, but he said, What'd you pre- what was your message about this morning? And my brain automatically, because I you know, start churning, I go, Galatians 4, and he stared at me. Didn't have a clue. And so then I had to go, it wasn't about Galatians 4. It was about us being sons and heirs in Christ when we come to faith in him. And then he kind of nods his head and walked off. But I had to come to the place to realize that just because I thought of it in a certain way, my brain catalog, I was in Galatians 4. No, I've got to be able to proclaim who Christ is. Right? And that's the way it is with all of us. If, if somebody asked you today, what did, and, and this, is, this is me confessing my own failings. I'm the preacher. And the guy asked me what I preached about, and I blank looked him. I'm about to play trumpet. I don't want to do that. What if somebody asked you, you went to church this morning, what did the preacher preach about? That's a good question, preacher. I gotta remember what I preached about, right? You gotta don't just do the Sunday morning reset. Here's what's next. Where are we going to lunch? No, that's not what it's about. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, but salvation to those who would believe. And that's where we find ourselves here. We forget that we are constantly hearing this message. And we get caught back up in our routines and our practices and all these little things that we think we have to observe. Hey, we got to put flags on the ground. Hey, we got all these different things. There's going to be patriotic concerts. 
in this. Hey, I may go to that concert where the preacher's head's going to turn bright red. It'll be all fun. It'll be red, white, and turquoise. It'll be cool because that's like, oh, never mind. All right, so God calls us to be reminded of our liberty, of our salvation all the time. And if somebody asks us, as it says, that in, else, as Paul says elsewhere, that we would be, I'm sorry, Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 3, that we would have a ready defense for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That's why we come back together every week is because we so quickly forget about it. And that's what, the Paul, what Paul is reminding them here. The devil had been at work in this church. And they were confused. They got caught up. First, they heard the pure, unadulterated gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came, paid the price for our sins, and rose from the dead so we might find life in his name. They hear that pure, clean message. And then somebody comes in later and distracts them with something a little different. You know where most of our cults today happen? When we just change it just a little bit. And that's what was happening here. The Galatians had been deceived because all of a sudden they thought they had to fulfill the law in order to be saved. They had to do the law in order to receive salvation. It was a payment so that they could get saved. And you you and I do it every day, all the time. We want to get man's approval for what we do. We need to seek God's approval and realize we got to put our trust in him. The Galatians, he had a wonderful relationship with them, Paul did. He said, what of your blessedness? For I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. What we get from this passage is that Paul didn't look good. He would have not been a YouTube star for the right reasons. You know, we got to get the makeup right. We got to get the lighting right. I got to get the powder on my head so I don't. Re- never. So, anyway, no. Paul, at this moment in his life, was ugly. What was the illness he was dealing with? He is intentionally, I believe, vague in many different places. Second Corinthians chapter 12. We, we, but we generally find a picture along the way that he didn't see very well and it was a physical reason that he couldn't see. It wasn't that he just got blind, but he had something going on that was unattractive. And it brings me back to even these pictures that we see in the Old Testament that God brings the love that he only has through ordinary vessels. So if you think you're not good enough and you're not smart enough, and you're not pretty enough, and you don't smell right, and you drive the wrong kind of car, or whatever excuse we want to make, realize that God has said, you're right, I'm going to do it anyway. He's going to work through you and your trials and your struggles, and how awkward you think you are, and how you don't think you are able to do those things. But the fact is, he brings it to light in here. He says, they may muck, make, uh, ver, they, try again. Verse 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, 
not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So they were trying to draw attention to themselves instead of pointing to Christ. And they're saying, no, 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 you've been doing it wrong the whole time. This is how we're supposed to do it. You know what? There's a whole bunch of religions in our world that come in after the New Testament and say that very kind of thing. They say, no, 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 no. You've been doing it wrong. You have to do this, 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 and this in order to earn your salvation. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. We can try to add all these different things and say this is what saves you. It's faith in Christ alone. My little children, or sorry, in, in verse 20, we see the picture, and I think this is a, a common problem in the 21st century. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Can you say Facebook? We hide today behind our computer screens, behind our phone screens, behind our keyboards, behind mistyping on thumbs. And anybody who gets a message from me on my phone, I'm going to mess up whatever I sent to you. I'm sorry. We hide behind that. We get really bold. And nobody really knows what we're trying to communicate because all they do is they see their words and they put their own tone with it. And Paul is warning them here and there. He says, like, I'm not, and here, here's, here's me reading into what Paul says in verse 20. I'm not angry with you. I'm angry for you. Because my desire is that you know the true and living God and have faith and trust in him. Why do you keep adding to it? And I even see that today in, in the different uh, cultural issues we're facing, and especially in the last couple of weeks when you see all the things, that, the conversations that have happened with the overturning of Roe versus Wade and the, the angry voices on either side. And we get really brave when we can hide behind those, behind the screens especially. But the fact is, is that I know for me, my desire is not to judge anybody who believes one way or the other. My desire is that they find Christ. And if you just start throwing out words, people are just going to get mad. How are we living out life and love? How are we showing Christ? And I've said a few things, and I've shared a few things, and I've made a few people mad at me. And when you speak truth, people are going to get angry. Somebody will fact is, is we still need to be willing to share the love of God through all of those things. And when God gives us a chance to bring restoration to a relationship, it brings glory to Him. And yes, we do need to stand up for truth, and we do need to love people. Be careful how you say it. You can love 
somebody and the tone which you, you can say you love somebody and the tone by which you speak it, speak exactly the opposite. And that's what we find here. Paul's desire here is, is for restoration. For them, not just to be restored to Paul, but ultimately to be restored to Christ. Sin and the law always will trip us up and distract us. And yes, we are called to live a certain way and to call, called to, to cast off sin. And, and in a couple of weeks when we get to Galatians 5, some of you may get really mad at the preacher. I'm just going to tell you, it's already written there. Okay? You got some leveling out to do with the Lord. We do need to cast off sin. We do need to return to Christ. We do need to seek uh, forgiveness and then pursue repentance. Absolutely. But it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. It all comes back to Him. So I guess that's the question. What do you do about Jesus? He has fulfilled the law. He has conquered sin and death. He has risen to glory and calls you there with him now. Will you trust him today? Let's pray. Lord, you are good. Thank you for your grace at work in us. I pray that when someone asks us that question, what's this all about, that we bring it back to you. I pray that we live the love of Christ. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy at work in us, in our lives, in our hearts. And I pray that you transform us today to bless you. I pray that you give us courage to take steps of obedience to trust in you. That we will bless you this day. In Jesus' name.